Welcome. We are so glad you've joined us today. Are you ready for another Bayside Christian Church podcast? Let's get straight into it. I love this church. I love our worship team. Because today I'm speaking on responses to God's invitation and Moses' holy ground. Well done, Emma. You know, Jesus is calling us and we've got a choice to respond. Do you ever get those invites to the uh, engagement party or the birthday party and it says, please RSVP? And then we get busy and we forget and then someone sends us a message, are you coming? I pray we never do that to Jesus' presence because he invites us every day to come and commune with his presence. And today, that's what he's doing. I want to teach you into that today. Exodus 3, 1 to 10. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father and father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So in those days, it wasn't unusual for bushes in the desert. They were so dry that some of them would spontaneously combust. But he's walking along and then for a while he thought, hold on, that should have burnt up in a couple of minutes, but it's still burning and it's not burning up. It got his attention. And God's very good at getting our attention. And let's see what happens. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. And the story goes on. This happened, Moses was 80 years old. So you're never too old for God to show up. Then God gave him an assignment and kept him busy till he was 120 So no matter how young or old, God wants to show up and get your attention and respond. It's interesting to note, the burning bush was not the encounter. It was an invitation to respond and then the encounter happened. We were away at a conference a few weeks ago and Benny, banning from Jesus culture, sowed this thought and it's burnt in my heart ever since. He said, so often as Christians, God tries to get our attention by showing up in a meeting like this and his presence comes. Or you're reading the Bible, all of a sudden a verse jumps out. Or you hear a new song and it grabs you. And we think that is the encounter. And then we move on and don't hear what God says to us. We look at the sign and the wonder and think, wow, that's amazing. But we don't then respond to God's presence and then come to hear what he's really trying to say. We think the invitation is the encounter. And I started to see it all through scripture. I want to share a few today. That so often God draws near to us. Oh God, that was good. God shows up in church and we're going outside and say, wasn't that awesome? God showed up in church today. I said, yes, it was. But what did he say to you? 
oh, I don't know, it just felt great. And I realised that many of us, like me, often miss the encounter because we think the invitation is actually the encounter. But that's the beginning to get your attention to draw us in. See, Moses saw the bush and it says, when Moses turned aside and approached the burning bush to see what had moved, that's when God spoke to him. Otherwise, he would have walked past and said, mate, I saw this amazing sight. The bush didn't burn up. He kept walking. That's what most of us do with God's spirit. And he's teaching us to come and encounter, to love and respond. And I know I've looked back now, there's been times where I've missed encounters, but I've learning that when he shows up or he's something supernatural or sign or someone's story grabs you, I say, Lord, what are you saying to me? What do you want me to take out of this? And how can I be a blessing to others? And that's what I want to explore today. And so he had the encounter with God and it changed his destiny and the destiny of millions of people. When God saw Moses turn aside to look at the burning bush, that's when God spoke to him. Don't just enjoy the invitation and the presence of God. Respond to the invitation and then hear his encounter. And for those that have read the rest of chapter 3 and chapter 4, Moses had a few excuses, just like us. We won't have time to look at them, but he said, I'm too old. I've already tried that and failed. Can't speak very well. Send someone else. And he had, he had a multitude of excuses and God just brushed off everyone, just like he does yours. He says, no, if you encounter my presence and hear my voice and do what I tell you, you will, you will be blessed and successful. What happened to Moses? He took off his sandals. There's two thoughts there. He took off his sandals because that was a sign it was holy ground and that's what they did. And when you go to India, to church over there, you take off your shoes or sandals. It's fascinating. If there's a hundred people there, there's a hundred pairs of sandals or shoes. Same happens in Thailand. Thankfully, I've got big feet, so I can usually find mine, but everyone else is all the same size. So there's five minutes after church rummaging to try and find their sandals or thongs or shoes. But thankfully, no one takes mine because I've got a size 14. <laughs> so <laughs> won't fit into their feet. So it was a sign of respect or humility when you took off your shoes when God showed up or when you come to worship. And they still do that in Thailand and India that I know of and some other places. I remember years ago when I was a youth leader in a church in Nambour, we had an older song about holy ground and the pastor had this great idea for the, the deacons just to come out and, and take communion. He says, let's take our shoes off. I'm on the front row, but two other guys had big holes in their socks and it really destroyed the moment. <laughs> they had holy socks, not just holy ground. <laughs> and I just lost it. <laughs> so, but holy ground. And the other thought that comes there when Moses approached the presence of God, God started speaking to him. He took his shoes off because he was settling in for time of encounter and response. He wasn't just going to take off quickly. Wow, we live in a busy world. We're rushing from one thing to the next. And I think God wants to teach us the power of lingering in his presence. Not doing nothing, but just taking time. And 
this week when I've started just folks in nearly every morning I've been waking up an hour or two earlier I'm saying God why am I waking up so early he says remember what you're preaching on I want you to learn to linger more in my presence I've been waking up early and bright and alert and I've had an hour's less sleep but it's like I'm ready to go and my spirit just so I've just spent more time reading the word and just lingering in his presence again and something fresh is happening in my spirit and I know that's happening to some of you as well. Later on in Moses' life, he'd learnt to really love the presence of God. Exodus 33 verse 12. Moses said, Lord, you've been telling me, lead these people. But you have not let me know whom you will send with me. God was saying, I'm going to send a big angel with you. And Moses said, that's not good enough. You have said, I know you by name and you have found favour with me. If you're pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favour with you. Remember that this nation is your people. There's a bit further down the track when they weren't quite as obedient. He's trying to give them back to God and God says, no, you lead them. We've been a bit like that too. You ever been a life group leader and say, God, these people aren't doing what you tell you. He says, well, I've called you to be the leader. You lead them and I'll help you. Lord, these kids... They should belong to a family down the road. They're not doing what they should. He says, no, they're your children and I'm empowering you to lead them. Occasionally pastors say, God, some of these people, what are they? He said, you lead them. Then the Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence doesn't go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you're pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Wow. Two things there. I pray our lives are pleasing to the Lord out of relationship and obedience and God knows your name which speaks about relationship and intimacy. You're not just one of the crowd at Bayside on Sunday. You're not just one of the Christians in Australia. He knows you by name and you know him by name out of relationship. And that's what he's drawing us closer. And then it goes on. Then Moses said, now show me your glory. I love Moses. He was just out there. He said, well, we're in God. Let's go for it. I want, to know for, I want to know for real that you are going to be with me. Show me your glory, which is the manifest presence of God. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. Isn't that interesting? We cry out for God's glory, his manifest presence and power and all the supernatural. And he says, just wait here and I'll pass my goodness. Because God is a good God. And living for God is good for your life and your family and your ministry and our nation and our business. And so when we cry out for God's glory, he says, I'll show you my goodness. Because that will be revealing my nature and my heart. It doesn't have to be lightning bolts and supernatural goosebumps everywhere. His goodness shows that he's revealing his glory over your life. Then it goes on and says, I'll cause my goods to pass in front of you and I'll proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I'll have mercy on whom I'll have mercy. I'll have compassion on whom I'll have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face for no one may see me and live. Remember this is Old Testament before Jesus came fully man and fully God and brought God's presence to earth in a greater measure. 
And now by the Holy Spirit, we can encounter his presence and power. But there are times when he's holy. I remember about five years ago, I had an open vision of Jesus standing over this city and I was on my face, sucking carpet and crying as God just filled me. I could not stand because his power captivated my heart. There's been moments where you just want to be kneeling or on your face before God. Said, you can't see my face when no one see me. Then the Lord said, There is a place near here where, near me, where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I'll put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I've passed by. But boy, he's felt the light and the glory. Jesus says a very interesting verse in Revelation 3:20, following on with this thought. Behold, I stand at the door end. Knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Well, some of us hear the knock, but we don't hear his voice. Some of us hear his knock and his voice, and we're too scared, saying, God, I've got a few things I need to sort out in my life and my family before. I invite you closer because we feel afraid or ashamed or sinful. Or He says, if you hear my knock and my voice, invite me into your life. And then he says, I won't just come and touch you. I want to come and dine with you. Anyone know the difference between fine dining and fast food? Fine dining, you get dressed up, you go out for a restaurant and it may take you three or four hours to eat your meal, enjoy. You wait for about 45 minutes or an hour for each course because they're preparing fine dining and it's designed for you to linger and take time in conversation, in food and drink and encounter each other's company and enjoy. Most of us live on fast food encounters with God. We've forgotten the power of fine dining. When you go to a restaurant for fine dining, you should always leave your watch or your phone behind. Because otherwise you're thinking, well, why are they taking so long to get this meal here? Because we're used to having the meal in five minutes. When it's taking an hour, we think, this is crazy. I'm not coming back here again. But you've missed the whole point of the fine dining, of lingering, connecting, hearing each other's hearts, telling stories and enjoying the atmosphere. And sometimes our prayers and our walk with God is more fast food than fine dining. Jesus said, I'll come in and dine with you, not just have a quick snack and fill you up for the day, like the self-survey. I think God's trying to get our attention. We want to change our nation. We've got to dine. Doesn't mean it's hours all the time, but it's more than one minute I'll grab your every day with Jesus and run out the door. There's moments when that's all you can do. But you can't live like that. Just like you can't live on fast food every day. God wants us to come and dine. It, it says in, in one of the other versions, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. The Amplified says, Behold, I stand at the door of the church and continually knock. 
If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him, restore him and he with me. God knocks on our hearts and on our churches. says, hey, I want to enjoy my presence. I want you to hear my voice personally, corporately. I want you to obey because if you do, I'll keep coming back and connecting with you and filling your life and equipping you for the call of God on your life. What does RSVP mean? It's an initialism derived from the French phrase, responde, suivre play. That's my French. Meaning, please respond. That's what RSVP means. Please respond to require confirmation of an invitation. And I look back at my life and think, God, so many times you've invited me just to stop and linger for a bit and I've rushed out the door. Lord, I've got to do some things to serve you. He says, yes, you do. But if you don't get the dining first, you won't have the food to give when you get there. I'm going, oh, Lord, come and dine. Jesus is knocking on the door and wanting to invite us to invite him in. May our hearts remain soft and tender to hear his voice and to respond. Jesus wants to come and dine with you every day. In different ways, different times, just like there's different restaurants and different dining experiences, but there's some principles that are the same. Make time, prepare your heart, enjoy and go away inspired and equipped because you've heard personally from Jesus for your heart for that day. Things are different when you have that. Jesus is not always convenient. He sometimes asks you to do inconvenient things. Jesus is inviting us to linger in his presence, to get his fragrant presence all over our lives. Because when you carry his presence, you're never the same. Remember when the woman came and broke the expensive alabaster bottle of oil over him, over his hair and his body, anointing for burial? Guess what? It would have got all over her too. So for the next days a week, wherever she walked, she would have carried the fragrance of Jesus' anointing and presence. And I just feel God's calling us. In the busyness of our world with all the incredible spiritual challenges all around us, he's calling us to come and dine. Don't be so busy and distracted that Jesus can't get your attention. Isaiah 55, 6 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. The indication is that there are times when he draws closer to your life or to churches, and that's when we've really got to listen. He has an ear to hear. Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And if we learn to do it personally, it'll be much easier corporately. And that's what God's calling us. The Passion says, Seek the Lord Yahweh when he makes himself approachable. Call upon him when you sense he is near. An old pastor taught me years ago, his voice is in his presence. So when you are aware of his presence, God's always wanting to speak and direct, remind, encourage, exhort, whatever. Prophesy. So whenever I feel or sense his presence, I know God wants to speak. 
And so out of that, I've trained myself that as soon as we start church, my hands go up, they're my radar, and I said, God, I know you're here today. What do you want to say to me and through me today? I've been doing that for decades now, and God just shows up in my life more often because I've learned the power of this. But sometimes I still miss it. I get too busy, or I stop and get the first word and then rush off. And I've only got the first course instead of the whole meal. (laughs) And some of us are busy and we grab dessert and run out and we wonder why we run out of energy a few hours later because we only grab dessert instead of the entree and the main course and the delight of dessert. And I just feel God just nudging our hearts saying, hey, let's take a fresh look. James 4, 7 says, So then surrender to God, stand up to the devil, resist him and he will turn and run away from you. Move your heart closer and closer to God and he will come even closer to you. But make sure you cleanse your life, you sinners, and keep your heart pure and stop doubting. He's calling us closer. Come near to God and he will come near to you. That's what we do in worship, in prayer, in surrender. God, I need you. Cleanse me. Communion is a great time to get refreshing and cleansing. The word washes over us and cleanses us. I read a couple of stories that really stirred my heart. Jesus called his disciples and they responded to his call and then he appointed them. They could have said, oh, Jesus, we're too busy. And some did. Start a new business, I'm going to go. Mark 3.13, afterward, Jesus went up to a mountainside and called to himself the men he wanted to be close companion, his close companions. So they went up the mountainside to join him. He appointed the 12, whom he named apostles. He wanted them to be continually at his side as his friends and so that he could send them out to preach. Do we respond or react in life? Sometimes I've reacted out of tiredness, hungry, impatience. I've heard that before. Just rush rush up. Come on. Let's respond, not react. Romans 12.1 says, Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvellous mercies? I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God to be His sacred living sacrifice and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights His heart, for this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Wow, that is beautiful. Doesn't mean it takes five hours to get in His presence. We tune our hearts, we can get in really quick and we can walk in His presence. Proverbs 15.1 says, Respond gently when you are confronted and you'll diffuse the rage of another. Responding with sharp, cutting words will only make it worse. Don't you know that being angry can ruin the testimony of even the wisest of men? Wow. You can have a great testimony and you can lose your temper once and you've destroyed your story in that person's eyes. And sometimes it'll take months or years or you'll never get it back. Wow. That's a testimony to say, let's respond, not react. Very powerful. God's helping us. 1 John 4, 18 says, Love never brings fear, for fear is always related to punishment. But love's perfection drives the fear of punishment far from our hearts. Whoever walks constantly afraid of punishment has not reached love's perfection. Our love for others is our grateful response to the love God first demonstrated to us. Wow, so when when we know more of his love... It's easier for us to respond in love to others, no matter how difficult or obnoxious or demanding 
they are, the more we have of love in here, the more we're going to respond instead of reacting. And that's a challenge in our households, in our relationships, our workplaces. God, fill me up with so much of your love, awareness of your love, that I've got a resource of love so I can respond and not react out of anger or judgment or condemnation or fear. We all need that to help us. A couple of stories to wrap it up today. I was really fascinated when I read this. Jesus wants us to run after him, to call on him, to invite him into our lives. You know the story of the two disciples on the road to Emmaus on the day Jesus rose from the dead. I'll just read part of the story. Jesus, in Luke 24, 28, as they approached the village, Jesus walked on ahead, telling them he was going on to a distant place. They urged him to remain there and pleaded, stay with us, it will be dark soon. So Jesus went with them into the village. He was intending to keep on walking, but they invited him to stay and he did. So Jesus went with them, joining them at the table of supper. He took bread and blessed it and broke it, then gave it to them. All at once their eyes were open. they realised it was Jesus. They responded and then they had the encounter. If they hadn't responded to his presence, because listen what they said. Then suddenly in a flash, Jesus vanished before their eyes. Stunned, they looked at each other and said, why didn't we recognise it was him? <clears throat> didn't our hearts burn with the flames of holy passion while we walked beside him? He unveiled for us such profound revelation from the scriptures. They had the invitation, they feel this burning Thankfully, they responded and invited him in and then they had the encounter. But they could have had the burning and not had the encounter of the revelation of Jesus, which is what often we do. I said, Lord, teach us how to do this. Another story, Luke 6.45. After everyone had their meal, Jesus instructed his disciples to get back into the boat and go on ahead of him and sail to the other side to Bethsaida. So he dispersed the crowd, said goodbye to his disciples, then slipped away to pray on the mountain. As night fell, the boat was in the middle of the lake and Jesus was alone on land. The wind was against the disciples. He could see that they were straining at the oars, trying to make headway. When it was almost morning, Jesus came to them, walking on the surface of the water, and he started to pass by them. He's actually going to, he's walking on the water and he's going to walk past them. That, that has always fascinated me, but now I see in the light of this story what that means. They called out to him, more out of fear, because they were superstitious, these fishermen. They thought there was ghosts everywhere, and uh, they were really superstitious people. And it says, when they all saw him walking on the waves, they thought he was a ghost and screamed out in terror, but he said that once, don't yield to fear, have courage, it's really me, I am. As God revealed himself to Moses, the great I am, Jesus said, I am. And all of a sudden they just stopped and they realised it was Jesus who said, I am. Do you remember the great I am? I am the light of the world. I am your peace. I am your good shepherd. He wants to reveal himself with all the great I am's. And then he came closer and climbed to the boat with them and immediately the stormy wind became still. Now they had the encounter. The invitation, the sign, now they had the encounter and the storm stopped. He could have walked past. They said, whoa, what was that all about? They missed the sign and then he wouldn't have stopped, got in the boat and stopped the storm. 
And it says, they were completely and utterly overwhelmed with astonishment. When you have invitations and you respond and have encounters, there'll be times where you are utterly and totally overwhelmed with astonishment. I've had a few of those in my life and I say, God, thank you, I didn't miss those, but I I think I missed a few others and just got part of the story. I only got first course. You're very quiet this morning. I think the Holy Spirit's trying to challenge and touch our hearts. I don't want this to be a condemning message I want it to be a drawing message because I feel the Holy Spirit's really trying to speak something into our hearts I've never seen this before I've been preaching for 40 years and this has just come alive these last couple of weeks wow Martin, the Amplified says in Mark 6:48, he came to them walking directly on the sea and he acted as if he meant to pass them by. He was going to walk past them, give them a fright to the night and then on keep going. But they called out to him, he declared who he was and they invited him in the boat and then the encounter happened. Wow. The message says at about four o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the sea, he intended to go right by them. That's what the scripture says. But they called out, he responded, and then they had the encounter. I just want to encourage you that when God's presence comes, when you have a moment of invitation or, wow, God's in the house today, or you listen to a new song, all of a sudden it's like God's presence just comes over you. That's the invitation. Stop or listen and say, Holy Spirit, what do you want to say? Because his voice is always in his presence. And I really believe the Holy Spirit's teaching us, don't just settle for the invitation and the sign. Ask and linger and learn to respond so you have the encounter that will change your life and give you something that will change everyone else's lives around us. I haven't explored all this, but I know God's up to something. He's calling us. So prayer and worship takes on a whole different dimension. It's not a spiritual activity. It's a relationship and an invitation to feel His love, to be overwhelmed. And one word from God changes everything. When you're feeling lonely and overwhelmed by fear, one word from Jesus said, hey, I'm yours and I'm with you. Everything changes. One word of hope when you feel hopeless and overwhelmed, saying, God, can my family ever get sorted? Can I ever get over this addiction? You get a revelation word from God and you know, even though the outward circumstances may not have changed, you know you're going to make it. That's what an encounter and a word from God can be. Some of you right now are thinking about encounters you've had, but you've forgotten the power of some of them. For some of us, it's time for a new encounter. I think I said last week, as most of us were crying, as we heard some of the stories and testimonies from the transformations, if I don't cry at least once a month in His presence, I know my heart's getting hard and I'm not hearing His presence like I should. That's, that's my personal triggers. Because I've realised my heart's got to stay stoffed and I've got to be listening and hearing. And He'll do it in all sorts of ways. 
For some of you, it's through music. For some of you, it's through His creation. For some of it's through another friend or it's His word or prayer. Whatever way, God knows how to reach our hearts. And He loves variety and He loves creativity. Some of you find God corporately easier than personally. Others, some it's the other way. But I just hear His call today. The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. Let him who has ears to hear, come. Let him who is thirsty, come and drink of the water of life. Worship team, come. We want to sing that song again. This is holy ground. This is holy ground. Romans 10, 17 says, Faith then is birthed in a heart that responds to God's anointed utterance of the anointed one. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on Him. Wow, wow. Let's stand in His presence. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one whom they've not heard? How can they hear without someone preach to them? And how can you anyone preach unless they are sent? How, as it's written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Faith comes by responding and hearing the message of Jesus. There's some people here, God's called you to share this good news much more than what you are. And let me tell you, if you have one or two encounters with Him, your heart will be so on fire, you will not be able to stop sharing your story or inviting people to church or connecting hope to their souls. Let me tell you, it's harvest time. The darker it's getting in our nation, people are open and hungry for them. Thank you for joining us. The Bayside Christian Church community aims to transform our city and beyond with the life and power of Jesus Christ. If you want to know more or just keep in touch, check us out at www.baysidechristianchurch.com.au or follow us on our social media sites at Bayside Christian Church.